And I'm like, no, I'm not hungry because I'm fucking shitting my pants right now. Like, what? where are you taking me? You know, they take me to Arco Park and they set me on a bench. They pull out this Trader Joe's bag of my fireball, (sighs) the two little weed nugs I had and the pregnancy test. And they said, what the fuck is this shit? And I said, what the fuck is this shit? (laughs) Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Enlighten Me podcast. Mila here. And this is Lex. Welcome back. So we are starting out today. We are drinking some tea. Today we're drinking a blend of burdock rue, nettle, and yellow dog. Just a little info for you guys. Burdock is a really great antioxidant drink. It removes toxins from the blood and helps treat skin issues. Yep. Nettle, yep. Nettle is anti-inflammatory, which is just an overall, overall important chef's kiss. We need it. Yes, everybody needs it. And yellow dock helps detoxify your liver and supports um, respiratory function and digestion, which is yes. also bomb.com. We need that. All right. Today, we are going to get into childhood trauma, which is so fun to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk about childhood trauma and like generational patterns and then kind of like how we try to break those. And yeah, so you're going to get to hear the tea today about mm, our lives. While we drink the tea. <laughs> while we drink some tea. <laughs> so everybody, you know, cozy up, get your tea or whatever Buckle drink in. you prefer. Buckle in. Buckle in, baby. It's going to be a good one. Get ready. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, for starters, um, for those of you who don't know, we all have chakras in our body. Mm-hmm. We all have seven, the seven chakras, and these are our energy centers. Mm-hmm. Um, so today we're going to be starting with the root chakra, yeah. which is um, right below our... The base of your spine. base of our spine, yeah. And that um, goes all the way down through your legs to the bottoms of your feet. Mm-hmm. So it's that it's whole a section. very important one. Yes. Um, yeah, so the reason that we start with childhood trauma is because that's like where the root chakra is activated and, yeah. you know, we're just getting to the root of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, so the reason that we wanted to start with childhood trauma is because like if you are on a spiritual journey, it's really important to kind of like reflect on that. Um, we found that that was like a huge part of our journey is reflecting on our own childhood traumas and like generational patterns and how those affect us today and help us like kind of get our root chakra back in alignment. Mm -hmm. So definitely helps us heal those. And we want to start at the root and kind of work our way up with the chakras. So root is a important place to start. Number one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the root chakra is all about setting the scene for transformation. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that all of your basic needs are being met Mm -hmm. within this chakra because it's really the foundation for everything else in your life. Yeah, literally the foundation. Mm-hmm. So that includes like food, nutrition, good sleep, good hygiene. Um, yeah, just taking care of yourself and yeah, meeting your basic needs, mm-hmm. safety. Being connected to earth, mm-hmm. feeling grounded mm-hmm. and safe. Yeah. yeah. The chakra also corresponds with the inner child. Mm-hmm. So. Can you see where this is going? Yes. <laughs> so we're getting into the inner child today. Mm-hmm. 
And you'll know when this chakra is balanced because you'll feel grounded, you'll feel safe and secure. You'll feel like you have a sense of belonging, a sense of loyalty. Um, you'll be making healthy habits for yourself mm-hmm. and um, all of your needs will be being met mm-hmm. by you. Yes, by you. That's important. And then some signs for when this is deficient um, is when you feel disconnected from your body and from earth. You're unable to eat properly and take care of yourself. Um, your home, your home is cluttered. It's messy. Disorganized. It's unorganized. You have a fear of not fitting in. You have a lot of anxiety and you have poor boundaries with yourself and others. Yeah. So you, you don't have that self-discipline mm-hmm. that you need to. Yeah. And then some physical manifestations of this are having um, feet problems, leg problems, knees, um, pain at the base of your spine, having bowel and intestinal issues, um, eating disorders, and then just poor immunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think this is important to us because we have been on the side of like struggling with these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since working on that and like healing our inner child, I think Personally, at least, I've seen a lot of those things go away for me. So Yeah. And I've also noticed the importance of having a really good routine with myself. Mm-hmm. So that way I'm checking all these boxes. Yep. Like, okay, I've had three meals today. Mm-hmm. I got good sleep today. Mm-hmm. Took a shower today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Setting those, like, rules for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we fall off of them sometimes. But as long as you can, like, get back in that routine, like, that's where right. that importance and, like, self-discipline comes in. Totally. So you might ask, why does this relate to childhood trauma? Well, because most of our trauma starts from when we are children. Yeah, so that can include like emotional abuse or neglect, a physical abuse or neglect, um, even sexual abuse. Um, and it also can come down to just like not having your emotional needs met by your caregivers. Um, like for example, like if you are not able to regulate your emotions and you may be like kind of to them they might see it as like a tantrum but really like you need help regulating your emotions in that moment and so if your parents maybe like did not help you work through that and regulate your emotions then that also is traumatic and that can mess with your um your root chakra and like your need for safety and um to be heard and you know to have your emotional needs met so And then that kind of like goes into when our egos begin to awaken Mm -hmm. is usually at a pretty young age. Yeah. Because if our needs are not being met by our parents or our caregivers, then we take that upon ourselves. And so our ego wakes up, our ego starts to build all these stories. Mm -hmm. All of these stories get stored in our subconscious mind. And then that's how the ball gets rolling throughout our whole lives. So it creates those patterns like from a very young age, there's like thought patterns that we carry into adulthood. Yep. But don't you worry. There are definitely ways to help heal this inner child wound that we all have. Yes. Um, Some of those things can include just going to the park and swinging on a swing or having a picnic. Yeah. Doing things that your inner child used to love. So for me, sometimes that looks like, you know, when I was a kid, I loved doing art. So like sometimes I'll look just like, feel like drawing or coloring like mm-hmm. even just getting a coloring book like right. it can really feed that inner child or you know dancing like you did when you were a kid and just like yeah. having fun and being silly or <laughs> recently like last week I was like 
I'm just, I want to jump on the bed. And I was like, <laughs> no, wait, that's like the best though. It is. I haven't done that in so long. I know. And I realized that, like, I don't know why I was just being silly with Dylan and I was just like, let's jump on the bed. And I made him get up there with me and I was like, let's jump. And like, we had, he had music playing in the background, but like, yeah. I was just like, let's jump. And we were just like <laughs> jumping on the bed and that's awesome. it's just fun. Like things that make you laugh and make you feel like a kid again. Like mm-hmm. those are important. Also, why I love to go to Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fucking love I Disneyland. I know. I miss it. I want to go back. That's the best. Um, yeah. So doing those things that like your inner child used to love. So something that you might want to like kind of reflect on is like, what did I like to do as a child that yeah. I can do now as an adult and like bring that sense of like playfulness back in? Mm-hmm. Um, and not only does that heal your inner child, but like just having a sense of playfulness with life just changes your outlook. And, you know, we believe like that is what life is. It's fun. It's a game. And like, it's not meant to be taken too seriously. So don't take yourself too seriously either and like, mm-hmm. you know, have fun with it. Yeah. Another thing that you can do too is um, eat all the like snacks and candy that mm-hmm. your younger self would have loved. Mm-hmm. Pop-Tarts. Oh, yes. I've been trying to find like healthy alternatives to some of those snacks and I feel like I've been pretty successful mm-hmm. in some of them for sure. Yeah. So yeah, finding those things that make happy for me. Like I love cake or like desserts, things like that. So I'd be eating those. <laughs> Not all the time, but sometimes. <laughs> <Cheat> day. <laughs> yes. Yes. So something that Mila and I both relate on is that we are the oldest child and grandchild in our families. Um, and so I think that can come with its own like set of rules for that role or maybe not rules, but like expectations for that role and like pressure that we put on ourselves. Um, and everybody in your like, everybody has a role in their family whether you're like oldest youngest middle child you know somewhere in between um everybody has a role and so I think for us we can only really speak from our experiences but being the oldest child and daughter kind of has its own set of expectations um that we've had to kind of go through so for me that looks like you know I still put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed and that's been a pattern in my life Um, to be a good example to others, to be a leader, and at times like a parental figure to my brothers. Um, And the funny thing is like we both work with kids now. (laughs) Yes. And it's just comfortable for us. And that's just... That's just what we're used to. It's so natural for us. It really is. Um, And just like that problem solving like aspect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And specifically in my job, like I work in the mental health field with kids. And yeah, it's a lot of problem solving and like as much as it's so stressful sometimes it is so like rewarding because I'm so used to like problem solving in my family and being the mediator and like yeah for me um I definitely feel the same as having to be the leader I always say that I'm like the leader of the pact because there's literally nine of us so Mm -hmm. it is a pact at this point um and there's definitely a lot of pressure I wouldn't even say my parents put a lot of mm-hmm. pressure on me. It wasn't even really that. It was just like engraved yeah. in my DNA. Me too. Like you're the first one. Do good. Yeah. You know? Well, I think also coming from teen parents, that there's a lot mm-hmm. of like pressure too, knowing that like they want better for us. And yeah. so like we have to kind of like, even if they didn't mean to put that pressure on us, it was for me at least like I felt like I had to be one to succeed. I had to yeah. graduate high school. I had to get be the first in my family to get my college degree, which, you know, is a great accomplishment. And I felt great doing that, but it is a lot of pressure to be the first one. (laughs) It's kind of like in a way they were 
living through us mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. for sure not in a bad way no not in a bad way um i definitely got a lot of motivation from that mm-hmm. to like succeed on my goals but yeah, i definitely got overwhelmed at times too yeah i was always like well i definitely do not want to end up like my parents and there's nothing wrong with that but i just i didn't want to be like a teen mom mm-hmm. or be I financially unstable mm-hmm. um yeah and because we've seen that we've seen the scarcity mindset and yeah. like how that's impacted us too that's a whole nother thing we'll get into but um yeah i also think with the oldest daughter role um as much as it has contributed to like trauma and mental health issues for me i also think it is a very sacred role and i do feel called to be in this role for this you know this lifetime this chapter of my soul's journey and i i take that like i don't i don't know how to say take it seriously but like (laughs) i definitely like just you embody that yes, role. yes i embody that yeah. role and i love that yeah. i love being the oldest daughter i do i i love just being a leader i love being there for my siblings um being there for my parents like i love my role yeah. <laughs> even though it definitely comes with its own set of challenges but i do think everybody's role in their family is a sacred role as you should mm-hmm. yeah i definitely feel like i was meant to be the first one mm-hmm. to come down from all my siblings yeah for you know? sure for sure same mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know my brothers are amazing I love them but yeah I definitely think I was I was meant to be the first one to kind of like guide them to um and to like reach their potential too so yeah totally couldn't agree more yeah and then going along with like the things that I do as an oldest daughter like I'm also always the one who says yes to everything and (laughs) I've had to learn how to like break that because for a long time Um, And we'll get into like patterns in our family, but one in mine is like codependency and like people pleasing and image. So for me, I felt a lot of pressure to like always say yes to everything in my family. Anytime there's like a family event, anytime that like my mom needs something to like go pick up something from the store, pick up my brother or like, you know, do different things that she needs help with. Like that was always me. And so when, you know, I'd be like, okay, well, why don't you ask the other ones? Yeah. Um, But they tend to put up a fight and I didn't so (laughs) so I was just like became that person and got really used to that but then it kind of got to a point where like I was sacrificing my own like mental health like when I need that space or I need self-care time or I need to you know do something for myself and that interferes so I had to learn how to break that pattern and I'm so grateful that my mom has been like on board with that and you know sometimes she still gets a little pressury with things but <laughs> I think she recognizes like that I need that space and I'm allowed to say no and it was hard at first mm-hmm. and it still is sometimes but like yeah sometimes I just can't make it to that family event or I can't I can't help you with this because I have my own stuff going on and I feel like that has really healed that part of me to be mm-hmm. able to say no when I have to I still say yes too much but <laughs> not perfect but yeah. Um, I think I've definitely gotten better with that and that's given me more peace in myself. Well, you're definitely balancing your root chakra because you're setting boundaries. Yes, girl. Mm. Yes. So for me, I became independent very quickly mm-hmm. at a pretty young age. And I don't even know like how or why, but I think that was just something that came natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's followed through like to this day, mm-hmm. you know? I don't think that's ever gonna change (laughs) but it definitely comes from having my parents be occupied with other siblings Mm -hmm. 
you know, growing up. And then I also helped take care of my younger siblings since I was like 11, 12. Mm-hmm. So I was like a second mom, mm-hmm. basically. And my mom never put that pressure on me to like fill that role or anything. But I felt like, well, like, why would who I else? not? Who else why would I not it? help you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, you see a need and you try to meet it. Right. Mm-hmm. So here I am still taking care of Riley. <laughs> <laughs> She's still living with you. She still lives with me. Shout out to Riley. Yeah. I know. I still take care of my youngest brother emotionally mm-hmm. and mentally. So yeah. <laughs> he doesn't live with me, but he definitely relies on me a lot, which I love. I love to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say that you reminded <laughs> me of? I think, you know, because our roles are different, like you had so many siblings, so that has its own like set of challenges. I mm-hmm. only had the two, but um, I think also my my dad worked out of town a lot. So I felt like I had to step into that role. So like, for example, like if my brothers, one of them would be like arguing with my mom, I felt the need to like step in and be like, hey, like do what you're supposed to do, you know, be that second parent. And I think at times like I did act like a parent (laughs) and that wasn't healthy for Mm -hmm. a child to do. Um, But I felt like, oh, like who else is going to be here to defend my mom and to like help her because, you know, she would get really overwhelmed sometimes too. And like, I felt like, oh my gosh, she's upset. Like I need to fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I stepped into that role a lot of times too. And I know my brothers would get annoyed of it. <laughs> Stop bossing me around. Yeah, You're not literally, my mom. Literally. <laughs> but I am. But always like, oh, <laughs> if I'm gone, like Lex is in charge. Like, yeah. you know how that goes. Yeah. So then it was like, okay, I'm in charge. Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen to me. You better listen up. <laughs> you better listen up. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I definitely felt like, uh, that motherly role mm-hmm. very young. But I mean, it's in a good way. Yeah. So no. I do think that is why we don't have kids yet, though. Oh, for <laughs> sure, girl. For sure. We are waiting on that one for sure. I don't even know if I'm going to have one. I know. I've been saying that forever. I know. I and when that day happens, I think I'm going to shock myself. Yeah. And everyone else around Yeah, me. we'll see. Me and Dylan always say, like, once we're, like, really bored, then we'll have right. kids. Like, let's do all the fun stuff first. Yes. Let's live our lives. And then when we're bored, <laughs> we'll focus on that. Live it up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, yeah, so kind of getting into the patterns in our families. So like I said before, like my family has a lot of patterns of codependency, um, image, like having a certain image, um, having guilt if you like don't meet those standards. Um, and then also like scarcity mindset, always being like, we don't have enough. We, we, we're always in lack. Like we, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. Um, and so always like feeling my parents' anxiety about that. Like I could carry that into my life and I've had to learn how to like break that scarcity mindset, which is not easy. Um, but yeah, also like addiction, that was a big one in my family. Um, and then also just not addressing issues until (laughs) they get too big and then they explode and then it becomes a whole thing. So those are patterns that I've noticed, um, in my family and I actively (laughs) have had to work to break those. So like I said, with the codependency, like I've learned how to set boundaries and say no. And I think my mom was receptive, receptive to that because she's had to learn how to do that with her family as well. Um, and yeah, I think I'm really glad that she was on board with that and I didn't get a lot of pushback there because I was scared. You know, I'm always like wanting to make my mom happy and like not upset her. So I was really glad that, you know, 
she pushed that too. Like she learned how to set boundaries too. She noticed her patterns of codependency and she's like still actively working on those too. Um, That's great. So that mm-hmm. definitely a positive there. So yeah, the image too. Like um, I think for a long time, my mom and her family like had been about like looking a certain way, you know, getting certain grades, um, you know, doing these certain sports and l- like being a certain type of person that does like the same things. Um, so I think, you know, for me, I fell into that role pretty easily. There are times where, you know, I didn't get good grades and then I felt like really guilty about it because they would make it known like, oh, mm. you didn't get A's. <laughs> oh, wow. So um, that was one. But, you know, for the rest of them, I pretty much fell in line. Like I did the sports. I did what I was supposed to do. I my mom would like make sure that we got ready and looked great before we went anywhere in public, like. Even if I had like a certain outfit I wanted to wear or do my hair a certain way, my mom would be like, nope, no. No way. That, yes, really. Um, I didn't know it was yeah, like that. She feels bad now, so Aww. love you, mom. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like a big thing was like, oh, no, change your outfit. Like that doesn't look good. Wow. Or um, how old were you? Oh, that's been going on since I can remember. Wow. Literally. Yeah. Which I think it contributed to like me like wanting to look nice and like presentable for things. So like I think it was a good skill at times, but it was like to the point where I didn't really have freedom with my creativity and like how I expressed myself with my outfits, my hair, things like that. But even like your self-esteem. Yeah, for sure. My self-esteem. Like I was like, I feel so cute in this. And she'd be like, no. Okay. Now I feel like shit. Now I feel like shit. (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah. And like, I know my hair is like naturally like wavy curly and it gets like really frizzy sometimes. And my mom would be like, you have witch hair. Go blow dry your hair. Go straighten it literally what? so <laughs> yes literally i'm if sorry i'm laughing but holy no it's okay fuck. it's funny now <laughs> it's funny now but wow but yeah that was rough because i'm like what like i feel cute like this, this is my natural me like yeah. this is what my natural hair looks like but now my mom has embraced her natural hair too and okay, it looks okay. great so <laughs> she's got her natural curls coming in um but yeah so a lot of that those image issues that i've had to learn to break and then I will just say my youngest brother has completely shattered. Oh my god! All of those. Yes. Like he does not care what anyone thinks free about spirit. him. He is a free oh spirit. Oh my god! So I, I mean, his role in the family was definitely sacred as well. Like he has broken a lot of things just by like being himself and not conforming to those things and just giving that pushback. Like no. Mm-hmm. Um. And so like you know he dyes his hair all different colors. He wears like really you know creative outfits. He wears makeup. Like. He does whatever he wants. So I love that. He gives me a lot of (laughs) inspiration for myself to just like not give a fuck what anyone thinks of me and just do what makes me happy and like I feel good. So shout out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so my um, that's how I kind of have worked on like breaking that pattern. Um, And then like with the scarcity mindset, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there, but just like a quick little thing for that, like. The ways that I've learned how to stop that are honestly through like meditation, um, uh, EFT tapping. I don't know if you guys know about that. It's like, it's called emotional freedom technique and people use it in therapy too, but like you can use it for manifesting or like just getting rid of subconscious beliefs about yourself where you like tap certain points on like your face and body and while you're saying affirmations and it helps like get that through to your subconscious. So that meditations, um, and just yeah, really diving into like how to manifest money and like clear those blockages because you can't manifest the things you want if you're holding on to those blockages. Like 
I'm not going to have enough or I always need to be worried about money. I always need to make sure I'm saving so much and just like hoarding all my money. And that's just not the way to do it. So I've learned how to like, you know, be more free with that. And like, I have a budget, but I am not like super strict about it. And I try not to, (laughs) probably not good, but I try not to check my (laughs) account too much because then I start to like obsess over it. So, um, yeah. And ever since then, I feel like I've been, you know, financially taken care of and I needed to just stop worrying about all those things. Mm-hmm. Money's energy. Money is literally energy. And well, it gets a little woo woo there. We'll get you guys. In. We'll get you guys there. <laughs> but we have a lot of episodes till we get to that. <laughs> Some of the patterns that I've noticed in my family are just being secretive mm-hmm. and suppressing emotions. Um I felt like I wasn't able to voice myself, my mm-hmm. opinion, stand up for myself. Um, and don't get me wrong, I had a great childhood growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, even when we were struggling, it wasn't like, like we never knew. Like the mm-hmm. kids, us, we never knew that we were struggling. So they like hit it pretty well, but that's, you know, very Where the secretive. Come from. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, hmm, what's going on? Um, but yeah. All my basic needs were basically met, um, I can say. And for me, it was more of like the verbal and emotional, um, I wouldn't say neglect, but. You felt like those needs just like weren't being met. Yeah, in a way. Like not met in the way that you needed them to be met. Yes. Not that they weren't trying to meet them. They just didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And that is totally because they literally had me when they were so young mm-hmm. um and so we basically grew up together yeah you yeah. know they're trying to grow up mm-hmm. figure out themselves as being teenagers yeah young adults while they have a one-year-old child mm-hmm. like that's tough so yeah I think we both have really seen our parents grow up over the years we grew up with our we, parents we did and we like just did. seeing the parents that I knew when I was a kid to like who they are now is like huge difference Mm -hmm. huge difference they've definitely had a lot of growth yeah like I had mentioned before my parents didn't really allow me to express myself when I would get in trouble and so that has led to me now still not being able to express myself Mm -hmm. and how I feel Mm -hmm. um so whenever I get into like argument with someone or just a little bit of confrontation I just immediately like get quiet I don't know what to say. I shut down. I shut down. And when I do have that confidence to be like, actually, you know, I'm going to stick up for myself today. Then it goes too far. Then I start fucking crying because yeah. I don't know how to regulate my emotions. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's just like this cycle that I've had to learn to mm-hmm. break through, mm-hmm. um, which was not easy. Mm-hmm. But And I wonder like how far back that goes too. Yeah. Because we, <laughs> we do share like lineage so we're Mm -hmm. we're also trying to figure out like "Hmm, where how far does this go back like some of these patterns right which we don't really know because we weren't there but (laughs) but it's interesting to think about gonna have to do some digging Mm -hmm. do some interviews some interviews yeah some grandpas on the show (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so like i said my parents are very secretive um very strict on me growing up too Mm -hmm. and that has played a lot into how I grew up and what I decided to do and how I decided to act. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> so a little rebel over here. A little, <laughs> but it, I wasn't even doing anything bad. You're I was doing just, what other teenagers were doing. I was doing normal teenage stuff, mm-hmm. and my parents would flip out because they just didn't want me to end up like them. And mm-hmm. I totally yeah, understand that. that. I understand fear. that now. I did not understand that at the time. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just grounded. My phone's being taken mm-hmm. away, and I can't do this, and I can't sleep over here. Yeah. And so, which I was able to until I got in trouble. And <laughs> anyways, we'll talk about that at a different time. <laughs> but like I said, they didn't want me to end up like mm-hmm. them. So it's like that fear-based parenting. Fear-based and I parenting. Think my mom was the same. Like mm-hmm. she was always driving home like, don't have sex till you're married. Don't have sex till you're married. And mm-hmm. we grew up like in a very Christian household. So my mom wasn't a Christian until like, after she had met my dad. So um, they like kind of did that together. And so when they raised me, it was like, that was a huge thing. And they definitely reminded me from literally the youngest I can remember is like third grade being told about sex and being told you don't do that till you're married. And there was no other like education on that or like safety or like, it was all just shame around that. Like that's something that you don't do unless you're married. And like, if you do then like that's not pure that's not what god wants you know what's crazy is that my parents never talked to me about sex Hmm. like i never no i did not get the sex talk i learned about that shit in seventh grade in my health class oh no but i think because they were so scared to like even bring that up to put it in my mind like oh my god wait if we tell her about sex she's gonna do it she's gonna do it like that sounds fun (laughs) (laughs) but no for real like I didn't really have those kinds of conversations growing up with my parents. One, because I was a good kid. I mm-hmm. had a good head on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that they needed to have those conversations with me. But then it would have been nice because we could have like bonded that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. and like I feel like I never really got those bonding moments with my mm-hmm. parents because it was always like the younger siblings, the younger mm-hmm. siblings. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mila's good. Okay. Younger yeah. siblings. Mila's taking care of herself. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. That's where the independence yeah, comes from. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting, though. Like, my, when my mom first talked to me about sex, I was literally in third grade. Mm-hmm. And it was because, one, they, my parents let me watch whatever I wanted as a kid. Like, there was no sheltering on TV shows or movies. It was like, they didn't really care. I mean, sometimes they'd be like, you know, cover your eyes if we're watching <laughs> it together. But, like, I was introduced to a it's lot awkward. of, like, adult concepts uh-huh. very young. And... um. Yeah, I think that's why my parents were like, let's, let me give her the truth about it so that, like, she doesn't, like, get any ideas of, like, you know, from shows and stuff. Yeah. So, and also I had a, my uncle who was only two years older than me and my grandma had just, like, had the talk with him. So, they're like, I, I hung out with him all the time. So, they're like, well, let's tell Lex too so that, <laughs> so it was actually my mom and my grandma, my dad's mom, um, who had this talk with me and I remember being, like, so grossed out and I was like, ew, because I was just a little kid. I was like, what? Like, that's what that is? Uh-huh. Um, but it only made me more curious about it and see that's what my parents were trying to you, avoid you know what they didn't <laughs> none of our parents avoided what they wanted because we both, <laughs> we both had sex way too young so yeah, we did <laughs> yikes <laughs> and there's the tea and there's the tea <laughs> um so yeah i think it's important to have those talks but like educate and like you know make it a safe space and not a yeah. shameful thing right because then then it becomes taboo and then it's interesting then it's like "Hmm, what's this like Mm -hmm. now i want to know about it so i also felt very mature from a young age so i thought i was mature i was not (laughs) 
but I definitely thought I was. So yeah. All right. Um, Moving on past the sex talk. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. So growing up all throughout literally every single grade, I was bullied. Why? I don't know. People were just so mean Mm -hmm. to me and it was girls. Mm -hmm. Girls were so mean to me. I don't know why I did nothing wrong. I was just being me. Chilling, vibing, and here mm-hmm. I am getting fucking bullied. No. And there's this one girl, her name's Amari, and it was like all throughout elementary school. Damn. That's like engraved in my brain that I remember her name. Yeah. I mean, it's traumatic. I was like a first grader, and she's coming up to me, teasing me, talking about, you ain't shit, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? So that gets like ingrained in your brain. Yeah. And childhood trauma doesn't have to be from your parents. It can no. literally be from anyone who is, you know, abusing you or making you feel less than. Mm-hmm. So that was fun to deal with. <laughs> and then, um, you know, that kind of just makes your self-confidence go down a little bit. And it's very confusing as a young girl, like just trying to be friends with everyone, mm-hmm. literally minding my own business, staying in my own lane and. Here I am having girls like pick on me mm-hmm. for what? So that was confusing. Um, what about like academically? Was school like? It was good. I was a good student. Like I said, I had a good head on my shoulders. Like school was very easy for me. Mm-hmm. It came natural. Um, I got good grades, awards. Mm-hmm. So my parents didn't really have to worry about like me like failing Mm -hmm. or you know Mm -hmm. anything like that so that was nice that's also why they were just like oh she's fine (laughs) you know she's just great (laughs) she's great but she's great great. but after i hit what sophomore year high school they did not think that anymore Mm. she's not so great oh she is great (laughs) she's lovely but yeah i feel like that is true because especially if you've uphold upheld this image of yourself to your parents like throughout your whole life until that point then it was like shattered so then you probably felt like so much shame gosh I didn't even I wouldn't say it was shameful I just felt very just like thrown into a box Mm -hmm. like when I was getting in trouble for drinking in high school and you know just doing normal shit teenagers teenagers are doing like Mm -hmm. Oh, there's a house party. Like, oh, yeah. let's let's go sneak out and like let's yeah, let's just go out, try it out. You know, drinking, smoking. But I never snuck out from my parents' house. Never. I was too scared. Yeah, for me that too. Shit. I was. Too I never scared. did. It was always like friends' houses. You mm-hmm. know, when the mom's like a cool mom, mm-hmm. and they're just like, oh, I'm gonna go to sleep, and we're like, yeah. okay, bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um, never my own parents' house. <laughs> yeah, never. Fuck that. So. Once I started, like, getting a little taste of that, I liked it. I was having fun. And then they found alcohol in my room one day. Alcohol with, like, I think I had, like, one or two, like, weed nugs. (laughs) And then, um, what else did I have? Oh, I had a pregnancy test. That's what it was. Yes. Was was it condoms? No, No, it was was a pregnancy pregnancy test. test. Why? I don't know. (laughs) Just had it. (laughs) So they found that, flipped a fucking bitch, took me to Oak Grove Park, sat me down on a bench, and my they were like, <laughs> okay, I want to go back, go back. They came in my room, and my mom was like, give me your phone. 
it was always give me your phone oh, and i'm like that fuck. still triggers me right I know. now oh. i'm like okay fuck okay let what me delete a happening? bunch of shit <laughs> <laughs> i don't have time <laughs> no there's no time there's no time <laughs> she's scanning I'm screwed. Me. <laughs> so passed her the phone i'm like okay great what's happening she's like get ready we're leaving i'm like where are we going i don't want to go anywhere and she's like no get ready we're leaving we get in the car they're playing nice. My dad's like, oh, do you want like French fries from McDonald's? What? And I'm like, no, I'm not hungry because I'm fucking shitting my They're pants like, right now. Happening? Like, what? Where are you taking me? You know, they take me to Arcove Park and they set me on a bench. They pull out this Trader Joe's bag of my fireball, <sighs> the two little weed nugs I had and the pregnancy test. And they said, what the fuck is this shit? Oh, and I gosh. said, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, yeah, I felt like I was being interrogated. Mm-hmm. I felt very suppressed mm-hmm. and my dad got aggressive. He took the fireball. He threw it on the floor. It shattered everywhere. So that made me not want to talk even more. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, nope. I think we sat there for a couple hours and I was like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like you see the alcohol, you see the weed, like you know what that is. You know what I, ex- I was doing. How can I more explain it? Right. Yeah. Like, what are you trying to get out of me? But it was the pregnancy test they were tripping yeah. about. They're like, Makes oh, sense. hell no. So they made me take it at Oak oh, Park. No, in the park bathroom? In the bathroom. Oh, I took it. It was negative. Good. I'm not stupid. <laughs> and gosh, I got grounded for a long time. I did not have my phone for like almost a whole year. Mm-hmm. They took I remember me- this. Yes. I, they- I was like the only person you were allowed to hang out with for a little bit. Yeah. And they took me out of public school because of this incident. Oh, and because I got caught stealing at Walmart. That's that's also why. I remember that. That was was the start of it. And they took me out of public school. I went to charter for my junior year of high school. That was fucking awful. I literally cried in the bathroom on my first day. (laughs) I ate my lunch on the toilet like the Mean Girls movie. And I told my mom, I was, she was like, how was it? I said, it was fucking awful. I ate lunch and cried in the bathroom on the toilet seat. And she was like, what? Like, she was like taken back by that, you know? And I'm like, well, what do you expect? Like, you literally like took me out of your core group of friends. Like, just one situation plopped me in another, expecting that to fix everything. Like, that's not, you don't just seclude yourself from the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, you work within that problem. Mm-hmm. Like, what is fear-based? yes like what is taking me out of public school really gonna fix because i could do that shit in charter Mm -hmm. like these are not the kids you want me around the kids in (laughs) charter like it was a nicer charter school don't get me wrong but some of the kids in there were still like "Mm, like what are you doing in the bathroom Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like somebody brought weed brownies to school one day (laughs) i was like okay don't want those leave me alone just got my license i'm not trying to get my car taken away i just got some things back (laughs) Yeah, so that was tough, actually. But I finally convinced my mom to let me go back to public school senior year. Mm-hmm. You went to Laguna. Mm-hmm. And it was honestly mainly because, like, you went there. Cole, Cole was going there, there at Donovan the same time. There. I had family going there. Mm-hmm. And then I got close with X. And then I just had, like, a good, just a good start. Mm-hmm. for her to see like oh, okay and i was like mom i want to do cheer again like yeah. you took me out of everything that i had mm-hmm. like let me at least enjoy my senior year let me cheer again let me enjoy like 
the Disneyland trip, mm-hmm. Senior Sunrise, yeah. all this stuff. So she was like, okay, like, okay, you can do it. Okay, good. I'm glad that you got yes. your fun senior year still. <laughs> yeah, I'm very grateful for that. But I'm just like, that was not necessary. <laughs> um, so then I graduated from Laguna and then I went to college. and But yeah, that was a lot of uh, my teenage years. I have a lot of healing to do yeah. within my teenage yeah. years. Because my childhood years, they were... Like I said, they were pretty, they were pretty mm-hmm, good. Like it mm-hmm. was fine for the until, most part until mm-hmm. I hit my teenage stage and yeah, I have a lot of inner teenage mm-hmm. work to do. So. Yeah, for sure. That's so funny you brought that up because I was just thinking about that today. I'm like, your inner child is not just like you as a little kid. Your inner child is you as a teenager mm-hmm. and like whatever happened to you then, like that's still part of your inner child work. And I think high school is a hard time for mm. a lot of us. Yes. Um, for me, I would say middle school was the worst um, just because people in middle school are so mean. And I had just moved from like Eldorado Hills area to Elk Grove. I didn't know anyone. Um, and my first day I sat in the bathroom. I didn't eat lunch because oh. back then I couldn't eat because my anxiety was so bad. But I <laughs> I sat in the bathroom all lunch because I didn't know anyone. Yeah. So that was like really tough. I did end up making a, a lot of good friends like eventually, but even then, like they had dropped me eighth grade because they didn't like the guy I was dating, and oh. like they're like, "Oh, you're not, co- you're like, um, you care about him more than us." And I'm like, "We've literally been dating two weeks, but okay." Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And they Bitches. literally they literally dropped me like the whole year, so that was rough. I had to make new friends. That's how I met Parisa. Oh, pair and that whole group. So. I'm really <laughs> grateful for her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so middle school was really tough. People were bullies. People were, you know, attacking me, writing notes about me, spreading mm. rumors. Even high school, people were spreading rumors. rumors. Bro. Yep. yep. It was always the rumors that got me. Yes, because I'm like, that's not me. You guys know me. Like, that's not me. And that, that's like the hardest part is like not being able to speak for yourself. Yeah. And somebody else is like saying all these things about you. Like, because they believe the rumor more than yes. you. Mm-hmm. And it's like they want to believe it because they don't want you to succeed. They don't like, you know, right. I feel like you and me both have that pattern of like people like wanting to see us fail or like attacking yeah. us for things. And I don't know if it's like our light or our looks or I don't know what it is. My mom was always like, they're jealous. And I'm like, but they're prettier than me. Like, how are they jealous? <laughs> <laughs> it's our energy. Just the energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some people just are rubbed the wrong way by that. So, um, but yeah, going back to like elementary school, um, definitely had my struggles because I mean, back then I didn't realize it because I was like, oh, I'm in elementary school. I'm a kid. I'm having fun, you mm-hmm. know, but now looking back, I see a lot of issues <laughs> because I, wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until like last year, but I knew for a very long time, like something was different about my brain. Um, by the time I was in middle school, I was like, oh, I think I have ADD, but now they're under the same umbrella. So it's okay. actually like the same. They're just like different types that you present. So there's like an attentive type versus um, hyperactive. So a lot of times girls don't show the signs of ADHD until way later. But yeah. for me, it manifested as like a lot of anxiety. So, um, not only just anxiety, but like I was very forgetful. I forgot, like I would forget my books at school. My mom would have to drive me back and then I would get a whole talk and she'd be so mad at me. Like if you forget your book, then you can't go to your friend's house or you can't go to this like birthday party or whatever. And so like that was 
hard because I no. couldn't help but forget things. Yeah. Like I literally couldn't. And then I would feel so guilty every time I had to drive all the way back to the school, get the book. So hopefully my teacher was still there. Oh. Hopefully the class was still open. Because like, then I couldn't do my homework. And then, yeah. So that became an issue like by like, by like fourth grade when we started having to like take stuff home. Mm. And that continued all through middle school. And I would have like even... <laughs> up in high school like my mom was working at the time she didn't when I was a kid but she started working um, a little bit later in my childhood and in high school like my mom would work so like I would have to call my grandma who was retired to go get my my like presentation that I left at home and she'd have to come drive it to the school and she never like gave me shit about it she was always super sweet but like I always felt so bad I'm like hey grandma um I forgot my important presentation that's today can you please go get it from the house so yeah I I've always had those kind of issues, but mainly it was the anxiety that showed up for me. Um, and I remember like I was talking to Dama. So Dama is this hypnotherapist that me and Mila have made friends with. Um, and <laughs> she was like, we were talking yesterday or a couple days ago when she was doing my little hypnosis thing. And we did like inner child work, um, which is great. Um, But yeah, she was talking about like, you know, your ego is awakened when your needs aren't being met. So then I thought back to like my very first panic attack that I remember when I was literally like two. Um, Yeah. And how do you remember that? My ego woke up. (laughs) Um, And so I literally remember like such young memories. Um, But yeah, I. I was afraid of my shadow. And so like everybody thought that was funny. But for me, like, I remember being, like, so panicked and so scared, like, because I didn't know what it was. I was just a little kid. I was just like, what mm-hmm. the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. And everybody thought it was so funny that, like, oh, she's afraid of her shadow. And I'm, like, literally crying my eyes out. And then I remember one day, I don't know what it was that, like, had triggered this panic attack, but I have this, like, memory of it where I was, like, my heart was beating so fast and, like, my family always loves to bring this up still. Oh. But I was, like, patting my chest and saying, like, doing, doing, doing. Because I didn't really have the vocabulary to, like, say my heart is beating so fast. And so I was, oh. like, patting my chest like this and, like, breathing, like, hyperventilating. And my family still brings it up today. My mom doesn't anymore. She knows that's a that's a sore, sore, <laughs> yeah. sore subject now. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, they'll, like, laugh about it and be like, oh, remember when you used to freak out when you were you're like um yes. what the fuck remember doing 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 i'm like yeah i do like, remember you think it's cute but that shit hurt that shit was so terrifying i didn't know what was going on with me yeah i didn't know what was happening and so i continued to have these like panic attacks throughout like all of elementary school where to the point where like every morning i especially like fourth grade i remember every morning i would get dropped off at school and i would go straight to the bathroom and stay there until the bell rang until it was time for class and so all my friends would be like why are you always in the bathroom every morning and I would always like try not to see them so they wouldn't see me going in there because I was just too anxious I felt like I was gonna throw up like my stomach was not right like so I would have to stay in there because my anxiety was so bad and I remember thinking like what is wrong with me and I would always like cry and pray about it and be like why me like why is this happening to me what's wrong with me um so yeah that was a really hard time and you know the way that I've worked on healing that part of my inner child is by doing the work that I do now. Like I, my job is like to literally help kids find coping skills. And when I was in elementary, middle school and high school, like I was having all these mental breakdowns as I called them panic attacks. Um, 
and I didn't know you could cope. I didn't know there was coping skills. I didn't know. I just thought, oh, we just freak out until it's done. Like, which we usually ended in me just like crying myself to sleep. So, (laughs) so yeah, I learned a lot of coping skills. Actually, what introduced me was I, my mom got me set up with this like girl who was in a master's program for um, social work and she was like going to be doing like therapy and so she needed practice and so my mom was like oh here like her and so she actually was amazing her name was Lauren I don't remember her last name but she was amazing (laughs) and she like listened to me and listened to like my childhood problems and like she you know was like made me feel like somebody cared about that and then she also like showed me uh, deep breathing techniques and like ways mm. to like kind of help your anxiety in the moment and I started using those and I'm like oh damn this really helps <laughs> so to this day I use deep breathing because of her and I remember how she said it and she like explained like what it does like on a physiological level to help your like nervous system calm down and like it fills up like your lungs like all the capillaries in your lungs and like oh. you don't usually breathe that way so like you have to do that every once in a while to like get all the oxygen to your brain or whatever yeah. so that like was a game changer for me for my anxiety was like oh there actually are ways to work through this I can breathe through it bam so that's why I do the work that I do now helping families helping kids um, with like mental health issues being able to like give them those coping skills like hey there are ways that you can actually work through this which I didn't know (laughs) so that is how I kind of heal that inner child is like working with those kids and then also like I will do visualizations where I go back in time to my inner child and I be there for her in the way that I need yeah, it. Yeah, I do that too. So I know you you were talking about mm-hmm. that too. Like you, I don't know exactly what you do, but for me, I definitely do those like visualizations where I'll go back and talk to my inner child and like give her a hug and just be like, yeah, it's I okay, do that. it's okay. <laughs> There's like, you're going to get through it. Like you will one day, like I'm sorry that you feel this way. Like exactly what I needed at the time, so. Yeah, I do that too and then... um I have listened to some guided meditations for healing the inner child. Yep. And those are pretty nice too. Um, definitely brings up a lot of emotions. Oh, for sure. But that's where the healing comes from. So Yeah. When I did my, I did a hypnosis with Dama this week and it was like meeting your inner child. And she asked me about it afterwards, like after I came out of it and she was like, oh, how did it feel? And I was like, as soon as I saw my inner child, like as soon as I saw her, like I wanted to cry. And she's yeah. like, why? And I explained to her, that's why, like, because mm-hmm. she didn't know what was wrong with her. And like, I want her to know, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I cry. I know. <laughs> but yeah. So we are healing those wounds and Mm. hoping that we don't carry those on to like future generations so that's like a big part of why we're doing this work too is like stop that those patterns in their tracks and like you know move forward for future generations I also try to um really just push through my uncomfortable little phases Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like because for me, growing up, I would suffer in silence. Mm-hmm. I never told anybody when something was wrong yeah. or if, like, some girl had said something at mm-hmm. school. Um, So I just hold everything in, basically. And I'll, like, cry to myself. I'll, like, hide. Mm-hmm. My mom has found me, like, on a couple occasions. And it's like, what's wrong? What's mm-hmm. wrong? And, like, tries to pry it out of me. But I literally would not budge mm-hmm. or say anything until I was finally like okay yeah like, you know yes so for me it's learning how to express my emotions and if I cry that's fine yes. like I have to tell myself that's how we work through this 
that's how you we release, release the trauma. It, yeah. mm-hmm. And it, there's it just a reason get, that's part of like our natural body's way of yeah. like feeling and expressing emotions. And practice makes perfect. So the more I do it, the more I'm getting comfortable with it. In the moment, yeah, it fucking sucks, you know, feeling all those little mm-hmm. tingly butterflies in your stomach and the tightness in your chest. And you're just like, ah, like mm-hmm. I need to tell you something, but I can't, mm-hmm. but I'm trying, you know? Mm-hmm. So pushing through that, speaking my truth, yep. even if it hurts other people's feelings, like yeah. it just needs to be done. Yeah. You know? I mean, you can do it gently and it still might yeah. hurt their feelings, but that's just, you have to be able to speak your truth. And if something is bothering you, you have to say something. Yeah. Something else that I've noticed, though, growing up, um, so, like, for example, my parents were, like, always late picking me up from school, Mm. and so I would, like, walk down to a specific corner where we would meet at, where there's, like, less traffic, and um, I would be waiting there for, like, ever, I felt like, not, like, 5, 10, 20, 30, like, Mm. an hour, sometimes hour 30, Oh, no. Just sitting there on the corner, like, How watching cars. You? I was in middle school. Mm. And so, um, like, I would call them and be like, yo, like, where are you? Like, texting. Hey, we're on our way. We're on our way. I'm like, How was an hour later on your way? Like, we did not live that far. I could have mm-hmm. walked home, but they didn't want me to walk home. Mm-hmm. So, um, having that happen, like, on multiple occasions has really affected me now in the sense that when other people don't hold up their end of the bargain, like it mm-hmm. infuriates mm-hmm. me. Like it literally sparks a light yeah. inside of me. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. But that's because like I have an anxious attachment now, mm-hmm. you know, because yep. my parents could not just pick me up from school on time or provide mm-hmm. me that security of yeah. like, I'm going to get you at this time. I know like, that I'm going to go home and I'm going to have this routine. Mm-hmm. And when your routine's thrown off, it like messes with your equilibrium. Yeah. As a child. So that was hard. So now, like, I see that reflected into my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. And even in my relationship, too. And I have to remind myself, like, it's okay. People make mistakes. Yep. Like, this is not the end of the world. Yeah. But for me, what's really hard is that I still feel that mm-hmm. trigger mm-hmm. in my body when something happens like that. Mm-hmm. And so when I feel that, I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go again, you know? Yep. But I could tell my mind, like, yo, it's it's fine. It's chill. But your body still feels the it. The inside. Oh, that's a, a it, definite struggle. Yes. Like, you can, you know in your mind, like, the logical way to approach it. Yeah, and totally. Like, you know what's actually happening. You can label those feelings in your body, but, like, they won't go away just because your mind tells you. <laughs> yeah. You're telling your mind to it's make just, them go away. It's just the feeling, you know? Your body has to catch up with that healing. Yeah, it takes totally. time. I also want to talk about, like, I know we both have struggled with like our confidence, like our self-confidence and kind of like where that comes from. Um, so for me, I I wasn't much bullied at school. Like there were times where like, you know, certain kids would pick on me and like it would be upsetting and sometimes would like shake my confidence. But for me, like the person who like bullied me the most was a cousin of mine from different, my dad's side of the family. Um, and yeah, she would like, you know, just make me feel like every idea I had was dumb or like only she knew the right way to do things and like everything I thought of she would like, you know, just make faces or like say like that's stupid or tell me why I was wrong or like 
if I would like certain boys at school, she'd be like, you know, and like make me just not trust myself or my own mm-hmm. opinions on anything. And then one time, you know, we had like this weird relationship where it was like we were close and like I looked up to her. She was two years older than me. Like I'm to you. <laughs> um, and she would like, you know, we'd have sleepovers a lot. And then she would like use the whole time to like pick on me and bully me. And I don't know like why she felt the need to do this. I'm sure there was some reason she was not you know dealing with her own stuff but I was definitely that person like she would even like pinch me and like hit me and like you know just literally I didn't have any like safety in my own body at that point like I just was like oh okay well this is what she wants me to do like that's insane yeah and so um at one point like when I was in sixth grade and she was in eighth grade she had this birthday sleepover um and she had like all her friends over and I've met all her friends cause I, I hung out with them a lot and they were all over and she decided to like make me like the joke of the whole night. And like oh all these God. older girls were like laughing at me and everything I did. And then they were like playing pranks on me and I was literally the only one my age there. So like it was bad. And even her friends that like I was cool with, like they wouldn't stand up for me and they like joined of in course. on it. Of course. Yeah. So it was rough. I kind of like stopped hanging out with her so much after that because I came home literally like crying so much. My mom was like so upset. Um, and so I kind of stopped hanging out with her a lot after that. But I did move like a like a year or so after that. So didn't really hang out with that side of the family much after that. Um, but then I remember I came back once for like a family party like when I was in high school. And she was talking about like, oh, like I never had anyone to play with me at family parties when I was a kid. That's why I always brought my friends. And I'm like, girl what like I was there every time like so do I not you don't even remember any of that right so like it caused me all this trauma of, like it doesn't even matter to you like you don't even remember that I was part of your childhood you know so yeah so that definitely caused I think because that started so young like literally I think when I was like you know young elementary school I remember this pattern happening and yeah I feel like that really shook my confidence in like being able to trust myself and if I was doing like something cool or like you know yeah. Um, and like she always like dressed cooler than me and like you know would make fun of my clothes she mm. we would like make up dances together and she would like say my ideas were dumb like you know it was like all those like little things that would add Just up and, anything like, she could say negative about you she yeah, did literally she could literally and so yeah um <laughs> that definitely contributed to a lot of my like confidence issues that I am still working on and she wasn't the only one she was just the first one but there was many people throughout my life that have like torn me down put me in like a certain box that like I can't do more than like this you know mm. this is who I am to them and like I can't get outside of that box or like you know told me that I'm not good at things or you know we'll talk about cheer coaches cheer coaches were the ones that <laughs> really drove home the point that Yours I should crazy, not be though. confident in myself. Mine wasn't that bad. Yeah, you actually had a, a pretty good cheer experience. <laughs> they were gone by the time you got there. Yeah. <laughs> but we had some, you know, some tough moments with coaches that like, and my friends feel the same way. It was a traumatic experience. But like for me, I think coming into it with those confidence issues in the first place, it just like skyrocketed. And I don't think I've healed that until, weirdly enough, sorority. Because that was the first place where I felt accepted. And like, I don't know, like other people thought I was cool too. And even in high school, like I had my friends, but like I didn't really belong to like one friend group. Um, I was like excluded a lot from like group activities. 
and so sorority was like the first place where I like I had that friend group and like you know we did all this stuff together like my opinion was valued um and yeah we had to do a lot of like talking and like community events and like all of that so it really helped me grow my confidence and just like college in general too um being able to like advocate for yourself and like when there's a problem you have to figure out how to solve it and you know the point where I'm at now I'm a lot more confident in my abilities but it has taken a lot of time <laughs> to get here. Yeah. That's and a lot tough. of work. I don't remember too much about like in middle school, like girls like being bratty, but it was more so like rumors, you mm-hmm. know? It wasn't like mm-hmm. them saying it to my face kind of thing, yeah. you know? So I wouldn't say my confidence was taken down like in that kind of sense but I think it was more so trying to fit in Mm -hmm. where I did not feel confident growing up yeah I just felt like I you know would have my friend group and would have my core little like what five to like Mm -hmm. ten people that I would always hang out with but I didn't feel like I was a part of the Mm -hmm. group so mm-hmm. it's funny that you say that you felt excluded because mm-hmm. I did too. And I still feel like that to this day with mm-hmm. um, some friend groups, you know, like I can have these conversations and, you know, be a part of the group, but I feel like I'm not a part of the group. And I feel like that might be a little bit of imposter yes, syndrome. Same. So I think that that's something that I need to work on myself, but I just think it also stems from like my teenage years and feeling Mm -hmm. that way and it's carried on through adulthood where I'm like but why are you feeling that way you Mm -hmm. know like they're all here for you you know but it's hard when you don't feel like connected to that like you feel I mean I definitely struggle with the imposter syndrome too Mm -hmm. so I get that like even in every job I've had I'm like am I qualified for this I'm like yes you are like you literally went to school for this like (laughs) (laughs) what (laughs) I'm always like do I know what I'm doing? Do I even know what I'm doing ever? So I think that's where that like trusting yourself too comes in. Like, yeah, you know, do I fit in? Do I know what I'm doing? Like just kind of constantly questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it has to do with like um, social anxiety too oh, a little sure. bit. So sure. It's a nice combo to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the social anxiety. Uh-huh. I still struggle with that too. Mm-hmm. I think it's gotten a lot better because I'm more confident in myself and like also realize that nobody really cares like if you mess up if you like you know they're over it in two seconds like Mm -hmm. I just stopped putting that pressure on myself that I have to seem a certain way or have a certain image to people and like I'm just like no just be me like it's taken a long time to get there guys though it's not (laughs) that is not not an overnight thing oh no it's Mm -hmm. not it's taken so much time and work to get to that point but I will say I'm probably the most confident I've ever been I would never be able to do this podcast even two years ago so Really? Yeah. No, wow. I was not ready. Wow. Mm-mm. I just recently broke the imposter syndrome. It still comes back sometimes, but yeah, I think I feel pretty free from that. That's good. Overall. I'm working on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's crazy because I did not feel this way in college at all. Like after college, after I stopped hanging out with people and after COVID, that's when I'm like, mm. oh, okay, now it's hitting. Like. <laughs> Because in college, I was pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Like, I was having fun. I didn't care what people thought. Mm-hmm. I was doing me. I was like, oh, you don't like it? Fuck you. I yeah, don't care. Like, were. I literally were. did not give a fuck. And now that I'm post-college, like, just chilling, working on me, I've calmed down a lot. And so I think that's probably why um, 
And my social radar is just like, it's gone down a lot. <laughs> you think because of COVID? Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I could so see that. So now that I'm like, we're going out again and we're doing certain mm-hmm. things like festivals and hanging out with friends and parties and bars or whatever. I don't even like one of the bars anymore, but like no. social settings like that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, oh, fuck, like we're going to hang out with people like, okay, like breathe. It's going to be fine. Like yeah. you used to do this all the time. Yeah. Like what's wrong now? You know, that's what I've noticed too lately is mm-hmm. like, I used to love going out and going to bars and going to clubs. And like lately I'm like, this is not that fun. Well, <laughs> downtown is not what it used to be. So that's there's true. one, but like two, but also I realized I don't like crowds anymore. Me neither. I don't like any type of crowd. Yeah. Like even if the line gets too long, I'm like too many people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, there's a certain extent for sure when it comes to that, but Yeah. I have definitely noticed some shifts within mm-hmm. myself and, you know, I'm trying to break those little habits yeah. of feeling like the social anxiety and stuff. Yeah. But like I, I always tell myself, you have to put yourself in the situations in order to feel, you know, feel those feelings out and then you can heal from that and progress. And the more you do it, the better it gets. Yeah. So. Yeah. We're still on our journeys. Yep. We're not perfect. No. I think. We both are like in a really good place, but there's still work to be done for sure. Oh, yeah. There's always work to be done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even throughout your life, even when you feel po- completely healed, something might trigger you and you'd be like, oh, nope, that's still there a little bit. Still lingering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That happens to this day for yeah. sure. Yep. And a lot of times it's our partners who love to trigger us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a different episode. Oh, that's a different we'll episode for, for sure. Time. <laughs> we love them though. When I think of trying to break my patterns, I don't have a real explanation mm-hmm. for how I do that because one, it's just so in the moment. Yeah, when it's I'm like, like, like a lot of little things. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. I'm just like whoa, okay, like I realize. I'm triggered or this is happening or I'm thinking this thought or my body feels this type of way right now. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I'm like, whoa, taking back. Where's this coming from? I feel like that's a big part of it. It's just realizing in the moment, mm-hmm. noticing when your body feels a little icky, like off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then try to fill in from where that's coming from. Take some deep breaths. Mm-hmm. And I saw this one video actually, it was a TikTok and she was like, oh, I'm just strolling down the street and I just got this random wave of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I was just so happy. I oh, was just girl. walking my dog and then boom, anxiety. Yep. And she's like, well, obviously something needs to come up. So she's like, I stop what I'm doing. I take a couple of deep breaths. If I feel like I need to cry, I just cry. Because mm-hmm. the more you try to repress mm-hmm. your emotions and that feeling of wanting to cry, yep. the longer that it's going to stay in your body and it's not going to come out. Because crying yeah. is the best way to release trauma. Yep. So if you just need to cry for like two seconds and then boom, you're happy again mm-hmm. and you're on your way. And yeah. I've literally yep. done that so many times yep. where I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I was just so happy. Like, why am I feeling anxiety now? And then I'm like, oh, here comes the tears. Yeah. And then the, <laughs> the tears come for two seconds. And then I'm like, oh, I feel better. Oh, You know, like, you just have to let it happen. I think for me, I have a hard time crying. I don't know if that's because like I always try to like I suppress to. that I used so to. like mm-hmm. i've had to learn how to feel my emotions again mm-hmm. um and to like fully feel those and not try to push them down which yeah. is something i've done for a very long time um and so for me like 
unless something is actually happening in the moment, I'm probably not going to cry unless I like trigger it. So like for me, if I know I need to cry and I'm feeling that pent up like tension in my body that I need to cry, but I can't get myself to, mm. I will literally listen to a sad song. Oh, okay. There you go. And bring it out. And then I'll start thinking about the things that are making me actually sad. And then I'll cry about those things. Yeah. I kind of have to like l- start Ease. the floodgates, like yeah. let them open Ease and then, yourself into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I definitely always feel good after a good cry. So Ugh, it's sometimes the best. they're just needed. This is like a, a TMI, <laughs> but one time me and Nanda were having sex and he was like, I don't know, he was just going and <laughs> he had finished and as soon as he finished, like, I like stood up and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking cry. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Wait, why do I also always feel that? after sex like he like <laughs> hit something in my body he hit some trauma <laughs> that shit poof. that's an interesting thing actually because i keep wondering like sometimes i do feel like super like out i don't know like disconnected from myself after sex like and i thought it was because of like years of shame and guilt around that and like because i think that that was a pattern for me for a long time mm-hmm. but now i'm wondering yeah if maybe like that physical <laughs> like movement helps get some of that trauma because like you know that when you move your body like your trauma is stored in your body so when you move it certain ways it does release that trauma and then sometimes that brings tears and it's it was definitely like all stored in the hips too because that's where our our trauma is stored in the hips but it was like perfect position and timing and everything and it was like boom and i was like i'm gonna cry he's like why are you crying i'm like i don't know like i'm just crying and i just need to let it out he's like okay and just gave me a hug and then i cried and then i was like i feel better let's (laughs) <laughs> let's go to the shower <laughs> that's so funny but yeah, yeah that's so a, weird that's so true though like damn yeah so you know if you want to release some trauma get some good <laughs> get that energy flowing yes, people get that, get that energy flowing loosen up your hips yeah. shake your body yeah. move your body stretch it out do some jumping mm-hmm. jacks breathe like even there's like youtube videos on like here's a workout for releasing stored trauma or here's some like yoga poses for releasing yeah. stored trauma. So that can help too, <laughs> but also getting it in. <laughs> Try it out. You might like it. You might like it. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> but yeah. So funny. Is there anything else you want to cover? Um, yeah, I think a big, a couple ways that like I also try to work and heal these parts of myself is like through journaling, um, really just like getting to know yourself, like, following some journaling prompts or, um, you know, like Mila said, sometimes it's in the moment you feel it in your body and you need to be like, okay, where's this coming from? Like kind of just getting to know yourself in that way Mm -hmm. is really important. And knowing your triggers, knowing like, "Mm, that made me feel dysregulated and then using your coping skills like that help you like, you know, your deep breathing, maybe you go on a walk, maybe you, um, you know, get that energy out first Mm -hmm. and then you can come back and like think about it and reflect on it. Um, Because it's not easy to do when you're, like, feeling escalated. Yeah. So sometimes, like, you have to regulate yourself first. And then you can kind of think, okay, well, where was that coming from? And I think for me, a lot of times, specifically with my husband, like, if we get into an argument, um, that will, you know, we'll get in our argument. And then I, like, can't really think about it until we're calm. And then we have, like, these huge moments of reflection on, like, oh, I did this because that comes from my childhood. And he does the same. He's like, oh, yeah, well, I reacted this way because this is how I grew up 
And so we've both have had to really learn how we trigger each other on accident because yes. we don't realize it. It's just yeah. like based on like how you have conversations and how you deal with conflict in your families. So, yeah, that's a big part, too, is like being f- able to have those reflections. Yeah. The first step is awareness. Awareness. And if you can complete the first step, I applaud you. Yes. Because that's the hardest part. That is the hardest part. And then not a lot of people could, you know, do some self-reflection like no. that. So And it's OK if you're wrong sometimes. Like that's something we've struggled with. But like, oh, girl, it we've learned mm-hmm. it's OK if you're wrong and it's OK to admit that you're wrong and say sorry yes. <laughs> yes. and say like, hey, I, I messed up. Yeah, that triggered me. But like that wasn't your fault that you triggered me. But also, can you avoid doing that in the future to <laughs> avoid triggering me? <laughs> yeah, that was a lot to impact here. Yeah, hope today. you guys love to hear it. Uh, <laughs> um, Yeah. And so. We want to leave you with some journal prompts to kind of just reflect for yourself um, and how you can apply these things to like your life. So um, we do have a Google Doc that you guys can access that has all the journal prompts on it, but we can just give you a little overview for today. First one is, what coping mechanisms did I use as a child? What dark and negative emotions am I holding on to? What triggers these emotions to come up? And then how does your trauma impact your current behaviors and thought processes? Mm. So think about that. Chew on that. Write about it if you want. I mean, you don't have to write it out. You can just think about it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's important for us all to reflect on that. Also, um, we are going to be creating like a Google form so you can anonymously submit questions to us and have us answer them on the podcast and like kind of give our own like maybe advice or just like share our experiences with that. So if you have any questions like regarding spiritual stuff, childhood trauma, um, just anything, pretty much anything. Yeah. Any questions that you have in general about spirituality or just about your personal life. Life. We'll give our, our spiritual (laughs) perspective or our like perspective based on our experiences. So yes. That yes, will be please. linked in the bio, also on the Instagram at enlightenme.pod. Um, that'll be in the link tree. So all the goodies will be in there for you guys to yes. check out. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for a our first long episode. <laughs> um, I hope you guys all got to know us a little bit better today. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, you got to know us better than some people that we know in our personal lives. So... <laughs> We really hope that you guys got something from this and that maybe it helped you feel less alone in your own struggles and your trauma um, and that it gives you that courage you need to start that healing work. With With love love and light. light. Bye, guys. Peace out.